The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. Stocks looking to keep that November rally alive with the major averages riding a four-week winning streak. The numbers are in, and despite the multiple retailer warnings, Shopping came out in record numbers online for Black Friday. We'll see how Cyber Monday is shaping up right now. And damage control at X as Elon Musk books his high-profile meeting in Israel amid backlash over his anti-Semitic comments. Plus, keeping a close eye on OpenAI as the company faces its first test of investor confidence following last week's roller coaster leadership shakeup. And then later on, a Disney holiday box office dud. As Bob Iger gets set for his employee town hall, it is Monday, November 27th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Dominic Chu in for Frank Holland this morning. Let's kick things off with a check on U.S. equity futures. And right now we are seeing some signs of market movement although just to the downside modestly. The S&P's implied lower by roughly 13 points, the Dow Jones down by about 82, and the Nasdaq down by roughly 46 points. Checking in on the bond market, where yields still remain a huge focus for investors right now. We are ticking ever so slightly higher. The benchmark 10-year Treasury note yield, 4.496%, so just hovering right below that 4.5% mark. The two-year note yield, 4.963%, and the 30-year long bond, 4.624%. In energy... We are seeing oil prices provide some at least catalyst here for consumers as lower fuel prices have added perhaps some spending power to consumer wallets. Right now, we're seeing some more signs of downside action in WTI West Texas Intermediate U.S. benchmark crude $74.26 off about one and a half percent. Ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge off about one and a half percent as well to $79.00. And 39 cents and natural gas prices continuing their downtrend as of late two dollars and 72 cents per million british thermal units so we'll keep an eye on those prices as well also let's now check and see how europe is shaping up as its trading day really is kind of getting underway juliana tattlebaum is in our london newsroom with the early action there good morning juliana Dom, good morning. Well, here in Europe, we've been open for a couple of hours now, and we're off to a fairly muted start. Downbeat, I would say, to categorize it. We've got the FTSE 100 down about half a percent, underperforming. You are seeing oil and gas stocks here in Europe trade lower, underperform this morning in line with that pullback in oil that you just walked through, Dom. Uh, the Zetradax in Germany also down this morning at about three-tenths of a percent lower. The CAC 40 in France down about two-tenths of a percent. The Italian market down half a percent. A little bit 
bit of green on the board, the IBEX 35 in Spain. We were trading even higher this morning, but we've seen uh, the, that market pair back those earlier strong gains. And the Swiss market down about four-tenths of a percent. It seems as though the downbeat uh, trade, the downbeat sentiment we're seeing here uh, started in Asia overnight. You did see a pullback in stocks there, so setting a, a fairly muted tone for trade this week. In focus, we've got flash CPI reports for the European region this week. That's going to be a key focus for investors. And then that OPEC Plus meeting from an energy market perspective, that's going to come into focus this week as well. Dom? All right. Thank you very much, Juliana Tettelbaum, for that. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. We'll check in with Silvana Hanal for those. Good morning, morning, Silvana. Hey, Dom, good Monday morning to you. Well, Elon Musk is set to meet with Israeli President Isaac Herzog today, along with a group of Israelis whose relatives have been held hostage by Hamas in Gaza. The announcement by Herzog's office comes amid ongoing backlash against Musk from investors, users, and advertisers on X. That's the platform formerly known as Twitter. Following Musk's support of anti-Semitic views on the platform last week and a scathing report showing Fortune 500 company ads appearing alongside posts supporting the Nazi party. The New York Times reports X could lose as much as $75 billion in ad revenue by the end of this year as dozens of major brands pause marketing campaigns over the issue. OpenAI is reportedly moving forward with a planned share sale following last week's high-profile leadership shakeup. The sale is expected to value the ChatGPT creator at $86 billion and could test how the recent turmoil has impacted investor confidence in the company. The Financial Times reports some investors remain bullish the sale will top the $29 billion valuation hit earlier this year following a cash infusion from Microsoft. And a rough holiday box office performance from Disney and its animated musical comedy Wish, falling well short of expectations, bringing in just $31.7 million in its first five days in theaters. Analysts were hoping for an opening between 45 and 55 million. In its place, Lionsgate's Hunger Game prequel and Sony's Napoleon biopic bringing in 42 million and 32 and a half million, respectively, Dom. I guess everyone was out shopping. Everybody was shopping, at yeah. least online or otherwise. Right. Thank you very much, Silvana Hanal. We'll see you later on. Well, investors are getting set for the final trading week of November following four straight positive weeks of gains for the major indices. Stocks and bonds rallying this month with the triple Qs that tracks the Nasdaq 100 reporting its largest weekly inflow on record earlier this month and a number of high yield bond funds notching their highest two highest weekly inflows ever. At the same time, a record five point seven trillion dollars is currently sitting in money market funds, untapped, dry powder, so to speak, perhaps ready to follow into equity markets overall. So let's talk more about this outlook with Ben Emmons, the senior portfolio manager and fixed income and macro strategy at New Edge Wealth. Ben, this is a setup here that maybe isn't surprising, given the fact that we've often talked about seasonal positive trends in this time of the year. But is that much dry powder, so to speak, on the sidelines due to come in to the equity markets, or could it go elsewhere? Or could it just stay put with 5% yields on cash balances? I think you can say all of it, Dom. And you know, there is indeed 5% of money markets that's very attractive to think about from a year ago. But that dry powder, I think, speaks to people willing to take risk. You know, if you have a lot of cash on the sidelines, some buffer, right? It tends to take opportunity when the market goes up. So, and as you're saying, the seasonals are strong. It seemed to be working out like it did in the past. 
So it becomes a bit self-fulfilling. So I think you can see some of that money market money going into the stock market or bond market, given where we are current valuations. On the other hand, going into a much different year next year, probably more uncertainty, keeping someone on the sideline. Let's talk a little bit more about those valuations, because some would argue that the run-up that we've seen over the last few weeks in certain tech stocks, especially the mega cap ones, has made it so that those valuations are no longer as compelling and that there might be more compelling opportunities in other parts of the market. Do you think that equities are still the place to be? And if so, is it still mega cap tech? No, it's not all mega cap tech, but it's really about earnings ultimately. You know, if 2024 earnings forecasts were again too rosy, then those valuations don't look good. They look actually out of line. So some of it probably plays a role for people being careful about valuation on mega cap tech. But you can also look at small caps or you can look at mid caps, you know, where the valuations look more in line with where the forecast is. I think that's where the opportunity is if you believe, and we think, that that recession scenario isn't really playing out and most of the rise in interest rates have now been fully absorbed by particularly, I think, small caps are very sensitive to low interest rate or to high interest rates. So I think that's where the valuation opportunity probably is. The, the slowdown narrative has been what's been dragging on that small and mid-cap trade, that so-called mid-cap trade. If there is a mean reversion element where there's a catch-up to be had for those small-cap type stocks, just how forceful could it be? Could they catch large caps, or is it something where they catch 25 to 50 percent of the large cap move, and that's good enough for that mean reversion trade? I think that's probably the, the right way to think about it, sort of this 25, 50 percent potential move because those mega caps are still in, you know, they're the largest ones in the index. You know, that's because of the index flows. Plus, people still flock to those out of, you know, safety and, and familiarity and profitability reasons. But what we're really talking about here is the economy itself. We're coming up from a very hot quarter, have slowed down a bit, but we could reaccelerate again. The, the retail sales data is showing from Black Friday, as we were talking before, into today is showing really good numbers. So I think the economy is maybe up for another acceleration. That, I think, drives that small cap mean reversion. Let's say 25%. Speaking of the safety trade, it's often been government bonds, specifically the U.S. side of things. We've seen a massive buying effort made in government bonds on the long end of things that have pushed interest rates significantly below the 5% that we saw at the cycle highs this time around. And at the same time, we're seeing an acceleration in retail sales data, perhaps less of a recession risk on the horizon. Where is that government bond trade in your mind? Has it played out or is there still opportunity there? It's a bit of a tricky one because we also deal with this fiscal deficit and supply that has been a bit in the background now and that could come back because, again, we're borrowing a lot of uh, money, right, for including next year. That has been an issue over the last summer that we had supply issues plaguing the treasury market. On the other hand, it's just the economy in itself. I think the acceleration that we went through, cooling off a bit and re-accelerate potentially, yeah, keeps those yield levels high. So don't be surprised to see the 10-year going back to 5%, even that we're getting messages from the Fed that they're done, as they say. <laughs> All right. Ben Emmons at New Edge, thank you very much. We thank appreciate you. it. All right. A news alert this morning. The Biden administration is announcing a new plan covering several cross-government partnerships to tackle issues plaguing the U.S. supply chain. Joining us now with the breaking details is CNBC's senior editor, Lorianne Larocco. 
So, Lorianne, what can you tell us about the state of American logistics? Good morning, uh, Dom. This logistics announcement hits on several key chain supply chain issues, drugs, chips, and increasing logistics fluidity. On the drug front, we have the Department of Homeland Home Health and Human Services and the Commerce Department, who are partnering to address foreign dependency on critical drugs. HHS is going to announce the creation of a supply chain resilience and shortage coordinator, but that position will be filled at a later date. The president will also be issuing a presidential determination to broaden the authority of HHS under the Defense Production Act. This would pave the way for investment in the domestic manufacturing of medicines the president deems as essential to national defense. This announcement is expected later this week. The Department of Transportation is also announcing the expansion and participation in its digital information system, known as FLOW. Five of the nation's largest ports are participating, along with seven of the world's largest ocean carriers. Four of the five largest retailers, as well as logistics companies and West Coast railroads, are also participating. And finally, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security's Supply Chain Resilience Center. This center will work with businesses to help mitigate supply chain disruptions. The center will also ensure the funding for the CHIPS and Science Act recipients are prioritized. The Department of Energy will also work with the center to conduct deep dive analysis on clean energy supply. And the Commerce, Depart- the Commerce Department also has its own supply chain center, which will use data and analytics in creating supply chain risk assessment tools. This is all a part of the White House Council on Supply Chain Resilience, which has their first meeting today. Dom? All right. So, Lorianne, this is all part of a Biden economics kind of effort here, Bidenomics, so to speak. The, the, the whole idea is the goal to cut inflation. Is that this kind of uh, thinking, I guess, for for this particular move? Exactly, Dom. Check out this chart, the New York Fed Global Supply Chain Pressures Index. The goal is to connect all the facets of the supply chain from dock to the doorstep. Look at those numbers. See year over year, that's the impact of the congestion and those sky-high prices that we all live through right during COVID. And time is money, so reducing delivery times and and avoiding detention costs will help kick down those price of goods. Dom? All right. Lorianne LaRocca with the State of the U.S. Logistics, thank you very much. We've got a lot more here to come on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, a report from the retail front lines. We speak with the head of the DHL supply chain operation with a look at the retail traffic coming off a record-breaking cyber weekend. Plus, We kick off a week-long special marking one year since the launch of ChatGPT, and the timing couldn't be better. And later on, why our next guest says the Fed has reached the final mile when it comes to the fight against inflation. Got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. 
Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The early numbers are in for Black Friday, and according to Adobe, shoppers shelled out spending a record $9.8 billion online. That's up more than 7% from the same time last year, despite surging inflation and warnings from the likes of Walmart, Dick's Sporting Goods, Best Buy, Tapestry, and others. Joining me now with unique insight into those numbers is DHL Supply Chain President of e-commerce, Craig Foreman, responsible not for delivering packages, but managing warehousing and transportation for dozens of retailers across more than 520 operating sites. That is some unique insight, Craig. So can you tell us what exactly shoppers are doing and if you feel as though this is momentum that can be sustained? Yeah, thanks, Tom, for having me. Uh, it's a really interesting year for us this year um, because we I don't think we had the confidence going into Black Friday. Uh, sales were soft going in, and, and that's been a trend for the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic of uh, early Black Friday sales really being adopted by the consumer. Uh, and then this year, that was softer than we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, and then when Black Friday hit, uh, we saw that uh, better than year-on-year uh, sales before. Uh, and uh, the shoppers really, uh, really took to the day. And I, and I really think that we have shoppers right now that know what they want and what they want to buy. And we're waiting for the best possible deal as they're trying to be really conscious with their money and uh, went after it on Black Friday, which is great news. Craig, one of the phenomenon that we've seen over the last several years is this idea that Black Friday and Cyber Monday shopping sales and deals have come out a lot sooner in the season than, say, Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Myself, I finished a lot of my shopping in the three weeks heading up to Black Friday because I saw Black Friday deals. Is there a draw forward effect that's happening right now? Do you feel as though more people have been shopping throughout the course of the last several weeks? And could that affect, say, the next few weeks because people have already spent that dry powder? Well, what we're seeing actually is uh, that's really been the trend that's been happening for the last couple of years. Uh, But this year, we didn't see it as heavy. Um, We actually saw softer sales year on year uh, coming into Friday, um, which which was surprising because that that's really something that uh, retailers have been focused on trying to uh, level load out some of the impact that Black Friday has on supply chain and on operating costs. And, And this year we saw more like pre-pandemic buying behaviors where Black Friday was the exciting day to shop. And, and I think you're seeing that in the sales numbers as well. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how people are going to behave on Monday because this weekend ultimately is the Super Bowl for retailers. And, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend is halftime. Uh, the first half was really strong on Friday. We really need to see what the second half looks like with uh, Cyber Monday sales coming in strong to have a whole lot of confidence on how this is going to look for the for the balance of the year. We'll be scrutinizing a lot of those numbers throughout the course of the day, Craig. I, I wonder, before we let you go, we'd like to talk a little bit about some of the trends in pricing. Inflation yeah. has obviously been a big issue for many American consumers, consumers around the world. Do you feel as though the discounting this season has been as pervasive as it has been in, say, the last few years? Do you feel as though people who are still waiting for deals will get them in the days leading up to Christmas? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things there. Our data is showing that this year's uh, sale levels or discounts are not as deep as they were last year. Uh, And the primary reason for that is uh, last year, 
retailers were holding a tremendous amount of inventory, a tremendous amount of non-performing inventory, and they were discounting that specific inventory very heavily, trying to move their their inventory levels down and and uh, and grab that through this uh, holiday period, those sales through this holiday period. So. Uh, I think retailers had a much stronger uh, inventory balance, and they were able to target what inventory uh, they wanted to move, um, and and really focus on margins this year. It's a really important aspect for our, our retailer partners uh, to have a successful year this year. Margins important, uh, and I, and I do think that if you look at the sales for the balance of this year, um, the, the heavy discounts are going to continue at about the rate that they have been. I don't see uh, too many changes to that. What you'll see is what the discounts are placed on will change coming into Cyber Monday. So different products will get the same discount levels that you would have seen on Friday, uh, just changing the uh, profile of the uh, offering a little bit. All right. Craig Foreman with the inside track on e-commerce trends this holiday season. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Ahead on Worldwide Exchange, we've got much more on that retail landscape and the stocks our next guest has her eye on, set to recapture some of those Cyber Monday shopping traffic trends. We've got that trade coming up after this. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back to a developing story now. Hamas released 17 hostages Sunday, including a four-year-old American, Abigail Eden, in exchange, officials say, Israel released 39 Palestinian prisoners, all of whom were minors. NBC's Bree Jackson is in Washington, D.C. Bree, there is certainly a relief for some families out there, but there are still more hostages being held by Hamas. Yes, good morning, Dom. So President Biden has said that he is hopeful that more Americans will be released in today's exchange. And the president is encouraging an extension in the four-day ceasefire agreement between Israel and Hamas. Four-year-old Abigail Adan is the first American citizen freed by Hamas. The Israeli government says this video shows some of the 16 others freed Sunday. Emotional homecomings for families who have waited for more than 50 days for their release. It's such a relief for them to to see them smiling and to see them reunited. It's, It's really overwhelming. It's like we're all walking around with this brick on our chest for so long. President Biden also expressing his relief while pushing for more hostages to come home. We continue to press and expect for additional Americans will be released as well. And we will not stop working until every hostage is returned to their loved ones. Humanitarian aid continues to flow into Gaza under the protection of the four-day pause in fighting a deal set to end today. The Biden administration is pushing to extend it. Hamas is going to make the decision about whether they're prepared to release another 10 hostages. Israel's put its cards on the table. They're prepared to extend the pause in fighting. So the ball is in Hamas's court. On Capitol Hill, the battle over aid for Israel continues this week. I think it'd be very difficult to get it done by the end of the year. And the impediment currently is the White House policy on the southern border. For now, families are grateful to be reuniting with their loved ones 
and hopeful others held captive return home soon. And the Israeli government has warned that it is prepared for the next phase of the war once the pause in fighting ends. Dom? All right, Bree, if we, you mentioned more funds for Israel, what is the status of the president's request right now? Well, this is something that Senator Chuck Schumer has said that Congress plans to get back to work on when they return from the Thanksgiving break this week. But President Biden has asked for $105 billion for a national security package that includes military and humanitarian aid for Israel and Ukraine. Now, lawmakers must work out their differences, which includes funding for Ukraine. Some Republicans want money for Ukraine dependent on money for the southern border. Bree Jackson, live in Washington, D.C., with the latest there. Thank you very much. Let's now get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Dom. Good morning to you. A tanker hijacked in the Middle East has been freed by the U.S. Navy, officials say. The merchant vessel Central Park in the Gulf of Aden sent out a distress signal after rockets were shot at it from Yemen. Five armed men then took over the ship. The nearby USS Mason responded with help from Allied ships. The hijackers tried to flee but were detained by U.S. forces. The Yemeni Houthi group has said they would target Israel, and while the Central Park belongs to an Israeli-owned company, no Israelis were on board. President Biden will skip the United Nations annual climate summit for the first time in two years. The New York Times reports that neither the president nor vice president will attend the COP28 summit in Dubai. Special envoy John Kerry will be in attendance. The annual summit serves as a global check-in on progress to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And an action-packed nightcap to a wild day across the NFL. The Ravens bought themselves flowers and some points on Sunday Night Football. Wide receiver Zay Flowers bookended the night for Baltimore against the L.A. Chargers. The rookie brought in their first score and the eventual game winner on a 37-yard rushing touchdown. The Chargers offense fizzled out, turning the ball over four times. The Ravens win 20-10 to 10 and currently sit atop the AFC. Dom, for a Monday morning, those are your headlines. We send it back to you. Thank you very much, Francis Rivera, mm-hmm. for those headlines. Straight ahead on the show, forget Match.com or Tinder. The unlikely online websites now doubling as dating apps. That and your other top trending stories when we return after this. We're just coming up on 5.32 a.m. Eastern Time out here in the New York area, and there's still a lot here on Worldwide Exchange coming up, so here's still what's on deck. Stocks finding to keep their four-week winning streak alive as U.S. stock futures point in the other direction. A record-breaking holiday retail weekend in the books. The numbers and the retail stocks our next guest says should be on your shopping list. And we kick off our week-long special looking at one year since the launch of ChatGPT. Why the timing couldn't be better. It's Monday, November 27th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dominic Chu in for Brent Holland this morning. Let's pick up the half hour with a check on U.S. equity futures, which are modestly to the downside right now. As you can see here, the S&P futures are implied lower by roughly eight points for the opening bell. The Dow Jones implied lower by roughly 47 points and the Nasdaq down by about 25 going into regular cash equities trading. Uh, If you take a look at some of the hot spots in the market so far, over the last week, we've seen that tech trade play out specifically with software stocks. This is the iShares Expanded Tech Software ETF, ticker IGV. It's up about one-third of 1% pre-market. But as you can see here, just in the last few days, we've notched record, or not record, 
one-year highs for this particular ETF. We're still far away from some of the record highs we've seen over the last several years. But keep an eye on that tech trade and software. One other hotspot to watch out for, maybe a little bit under the radar these days amid the market moves in technology, have been in insurance-related names. Check out Aflac on the health and medical insurance side of things, Marsh McLennan, and then Progressive. Over the last year, we've seen these stocks, again, have some solid performance, but each of these three stocks hit record highs at one point over the course of the past week. So watch out for whether or not those insurance-related names, whether it be property casualty, health or otherwise, they could be some of those momentum trades going forward. And then if you like to look at the bond market in terms of dollar amounts and not necessarily yields and interest rates, check out the iShares 20-year Treasury Bond ETF, ticker TLT. It tracks the longer end of the yield curve and prices on those types of bonds. Well, since the cycle highs in interest rates and lows in bond prices that we've seen, we're up roughly 9 to 10% just since around the middle to third week of October. So if you like to look at those ETFs as a way to gauge what the interest rate picture looks like, check out this particular ETF. Now, in the bond market, right, we mentioned those yields. Let's put some of the yield numbers alongside prices for bonds. The benchmark 10-year note yield now just slightly lower in the session, 4.476%. The two-year note yield, 4.955%. And the 30-year long bond, 4.605%. Also, on the oil side of things, we've seen a little bit of weakness so far in U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate prices, WTI crude, $74.13, off nearly 2% at this stage. One and three quarter percent declines for ice brand crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, $79.21, and NAT gas prices off nearly 5%, $2.72 there. Well, this Thursday marks the one year anniversary since the public release of OpenAI's ChatGPT application and arguably the start of what's been a year long AI arms race, fueling the dramatic surges of names like Microsoft and NVIDIA, amongst others. All week long, we will be looking across multiple sectors from medical to cloud computing to those hugely popular online chatbots, how things changed, where things stand today, and what the next 12 months could bring. Joining me now with a look on the broader equity impact is Arite Research Senior Analyst Richard Kramer. Richard, this phenomenon has been probably one of the most notable trends over the last year in technology specifically. What parts are still part of that momentum trade and could have that momentum going forward? Well, Dom, uh, nice to see you again. I think the, you use the phrase arms race. And I think the, the bursting of the, the hype around ChatGPT and the reality that we've seen around OpenAI and its corporate governance in the last week or so raises the, the, the reality that we're looking at not a sprint, but a, a marathon. But let me put some numbers around that marathon. For the big five tech companies, CapEx is going from $160 billion this year to $190 billion next year. That's a 20% growth. R&D is going from $215 billion to $230 billion. That's a 9% growth. And so you really are seeing just incredible amounts of capital put to work here to kind of corner the market in compute capacity and also to make all of the AI that's used internally at these companies, and make no mistake, they are all AI companies today, they make that internal AI capacity available for third parties and to commercialize it for the rest of the world. In your mind, 
what mega cap companies we, we've just shown a list of, of some of the names that have been associated with that artificial intelligence trade. Meta platforms, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet. Among those, do you think that there is right now a clear winner or one that you think could be the one to watch out for, uh, a la ChatGPT and what the momentum could bring for it? So I think it's a mistake to try to look at the list and pick out one clear winner like it's a horse race. Uh, you're not going to have a sort of win show place, you know, kind of a, a rank order. All of these companies are going to benefit from this trend. If there's one company you'd single out as being an outlier on this list, although it is also near a 52-week high, it's Alphabet. And if you go back a year ago, the narrative was all about how Alphabet was late and, and their own barred and then into Gemini was being delayed. And now I think with what's going on with, with OpenAI and Microsoft and, and some legitimate concerns about safety and also the legitimate time it takes to commercialize AI, maybe now people look at Alphabet and say, well, their cautiousness or their deliberate approach to releasing new models into the market and, and, a, and a family of models over the course of 24 is probably more appropriate, is more the right one, not simply to, to rush things out and see how they go. And Richard, before we let you go really quickly, the, the one name that wasn't on that list I mentioned was NVIDIA, arguably Absolutely. the biggest play on AI. It's the single best performing stock in the S&P 500, up 227 percent so far this year. What's the prospect for NVIDIA and other chip companies? Well, we've had a buy in NVIDIA for some time, and we're still buyers. And I think clearly right now they have pricing power on their side and tremendous demand, notwithstanding the, the question marks around whether or not they'll be able to continue selling chips into China. Uh, when you step back uh, and look at it, the big questions in investors' minds are what happens to NVIDIA in 25 and beyond, and whether there's going to be a natural digestion phase of all of this compute capacity that's being absorbed into the market right now. And you know, clearly, uh, NVIDIA is not without competitors itself. You have AMD, uh, you have Intel, which needs to revive its own business. So it, these markets will be very competitive, but it's a mistake to think about them as simply there is going to be only one winner. Again, when you look at and you see the charts you're putting up on Intel and AMD, sure. all of these companies will benefit from these trends, and they're all committing huge amounts of money to R&D and CapEx right now to make sure they profit from them. All right. Richard Kramer, Arite Research, thank you very much for the insights on the AI trade. We'll see you soon, sir. Thanks, Tom. All right. As you take a look at this live shot of an Amazon facility in New Jersey... The busy holiday shopping season showing no signs of slowing down as consumers turn their attention from Black Friday sales to those Cyber Monday deals. That's right there in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Now, a new survey from Adobe is forecasting online shoppers will spend a record $12 billion today after Black Friday e-commerce spending hit a record $9.8 billion, which is up 7.5% compared to last year. Still, though, Adobe notes consumers are managing tighter budgets due to inflationary pressures and higher interest rates, with $79 million in sales coming from shoppers who used a buy now or pay later, buy now, pay later option. Those are up by about 50% on a year-over-year basis. For more on what to expect this holiday season, let's bring in Jerome Martis. She's the Director of Consumer Research at LSEG. 
the former Refinitiv, yes. new rebranding. It's yes. nice to see you here. Good to see you. It's the Super Bowl for folks like you and those people who cover retail. Given what we saw on Black Friday, given what we expect on Cyber Monday, do you think the American consumer is that healthy or is the spending <laughs> number that we've seen just because they're spending more given inflation? Well, inflation has definitely caused the consumer to become a bargain hunter. So because of that, we saw that retailers moved a lot of those sales earlier than the usual. And then it became one big event culminating into Cyber Monday. Still, having said that, when we look at the overall holiday quarter, we're expected to see only a 1.4% growth in revenue for retailers. Where it's going to be strong is on the earnings side because they are dealing with lower cost pressures than they did pre-pandemic. Having said all that, what has changed is that more merchandise has gone on sale as we have progressed from the Black Friday event into the Cyber Monday event. Outside discovered a collaboration with Centric Market Intelligence. So what they're hoping is that by increasing the amount of merchandise, they're going to entice those shoppers to come in. What's interesting, we spoke to DHL's head of e-commerce, and one of the trends he brought up was this idea that there hasn't been as much deep discounting right. this season as there was last year because many inventory levels were over surplus last year. They're better right now. But does that mean that investors can count on better margins this time around as well? Absolutely. So we did say that the revenue is expected to go 1.4%, but earnings are, is expected to grow 24.5% because of those lower cost pressures from the pandemic. Having said that, the number to watch is 40%. Unless you're getting a 40% discount, you're just getting an everyday discount that you can get otherwise during any other time during the year. What's the likelihood that you could get that 40% discount? And on, and on what yes. kinds of products? Sure. It's very likely that you will get it at the department stores. They are the ones who have been um, increasing the amount of merchandise on sale, followed by specialty, especially apparel. There hasn't been too much newness on trend merchandise that is a must-have. And then uh, U.S. small stores online. Those are the top three in terms of the highest discount being offered at department stores. And from a final point, yes. <laughs> on a relative value basis, you know, the former trader in me always likes to look at relative value. Yes. If I was to be shopping in the last two to three weeks before Christmas, where do you anticipate the best relative deals coming from? Is it consumer electronics? Is it appliances? Is it clothing? What could it be? So definitely there'll be a spike in discounts the weekend before Cyber Monday. The most promotional is going to be the department stores because they've been out of favor. We expect to continue to see the same trend. However, there are some winners. Amazon, because of the value proposition, they're expected to beat earnings expectations and post a positive surprise. Uh, consumers will be gravitating towards Walmart for everyday value um, discounting. And the consumer still wants designer clothing for less. So TJX and Ross are expected to be winners. And then you have some names that have a loyal customer following, like Lululemon, Free People, Anthropology, Ralph Lauren, and Abercrombie and & Fitch. All right. The retail trade from Jerome Martis. Thank you very much. Thank we appreciate it. And good luck this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, coming up on the show, more support. What Beijing just did that sent stocks in China surging in the overnight action. But first, as we had to break some of your top trending stories, even loves becoming too expensive. The Wall Street Journal says higher subscription prices for dating apps are causing more people to turn to alternative methods in their search for love. Apps like Yelp, yes, Yelp, Strava, Duolingo, all serving new purposes as ways to meet people. 
with similar interests and goals. I don't know what to make of that. And Taylor Swift impressing even the richest people on Earth. Mark Zuckerberg's everyday routine reportedly now includes learning Taylor Swift songs with his three daughters after taking them to the singer's heiress tour this summer. Also on the Daily Agenda, wearing the same outfit, eating 4,000 calories and training with MMA fighters. We've got much more on Worldwide Exchange after this break. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your global briefing. The Beijing Stock Exchange has reportedly stopped major shareholders of companies listed on the exchange from selling stock. Reuters says it is out of concern that sales could put a damper on a market rally. A major shareholder is one with a stake of at least 5% there. TikTok owner ByteDance says it will restructure its video game business after failing to gain market share against rivals Tencent and NetEase. And Huawei says it will move its smart car unit to a new joint company with automaker Chang'an Auto. The new company will engage in R&D production and sales and services of smart cars. Well, ahead, the one word every investor needs to know today and why our next guest thinks we might be in the final mile in the fight against inflation. That story when we come back after this break. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Elon Musk set to meet with Israeli President Isaac Herzog and a group of Israelis with relatives held hostage by Hamas in Gaza. This amid ongoing backlash against Musk from advertisers on X due to Musk's support of anti-Semitic views on the social media platform. More than 30 states reportedly filing a lawsuit against Meta Platforms, alleging the company purposefully developed its platforms to entice children and failed to disable all underage accounts after receiving millions of complaints. OpenAI reportedly moving forward with a planned share sale of roughly 86, or roughly uh, billions of dollars. Uh, $86 billion is the valuation. That's well above the $29 billion valuation expected earlier this year. Activist investor Elliott Management reportedly planning to recommend changes at wireless tower owner Crown Castle in order to boost its more than $2 billion stake in the company. Changes could include nominations for a new slate of director candidates sometime early next year. And a rough holiday box office performance for Disney's animated musical comedy Wish, bringing in just $31.7 million during its weekend debut, compared to the estimate of roughly $45 to $55 million. Here's what to watch this week. A fresh batch of housing data, including pending home sales, new home sales, and the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. We'll also get third quarter real GDP. On the earnings front, reports from Dollar Tree, Foot Locker, Salesforce, Ulta Beauty, and Kroger, amongst others. And OPEC and its allies will gather virtually on Thursday after postponing their original meeting from yesterday. Let's see how the markets are shaping up to close out a mostly positive month for stocks overall. Futures right now pointing to some modest losses. The Dow Jones implied lower by 30 points, the S&P down by 5, and the Nasdaq down by 19. Joining me now is Katrina Dudley, investment strategist and portfolio manager at Franklin Mutual Advisors. Katrina, this is an interesting setup going into the end of the year. We've seen a lot of stocks rally so sharply already. Is there still more fuel in the tank for the next three to four weeks? I have a think and look at it, and I think that we really need to understand what those issues that are facing traders that you used to be. Um, you know, inflation is one that has been on people's minds. And I look at the inflation, I think we're in that final mile. 
we've really just tackled it and been so successful. We've got it down from 5.8 to 3.7, and it's coming down. And I think that's going to help and support the market going into it's the It's a range. bold call, though, because nobody <laughs> wants to call the end of inflation before inflation really ends. What are you seeing that makes you feel as though that inflation story is almost over? I think that we're not looking at some big bang that's going to say the inflation story's over. It's not that. It's actually just incrementally small data pieces. We look at the wage number. Yes, it is high. But if you offset productivity, you know, you're looking at wage numbers coming in much closer to the Fed trend. You look at oil prices. They've started to abate. Oil, while people think about it as the impact on the consumer, it actually is a derivative and goes into many other products. So that you know, tampering of oil-related numbers is also going to feed through into lower inflation. That's the thing. It just needs to be a lower number. We can still have inflation. We just need to have it much lower than it has been in the past year. I'd like to get to your word of the day because I want to hear why it is that you feel as though this is your word of the day. My word of the day is complacency. And but I why? think why? Because that's so just characteristic of what we're seeing. Think about it. Those low mortgage rates that people locked in during the pandemic, people are trapped in their houses. You look at the people who got those sweetheart deals at the gymnasium, they're locked into their gyms. And also people who got really great work from home deals from their employer, they're locked into their employer. So we need to think about that complacency and what does that mean for the market? Well, part of that means that because you're locked into those deals, you're actually keeping inflation low because your gym price is not going to go down any further, and it's really not going to go up too much. So complacency is the word that we're looking at. We've got just a handful of seconds left here. Mm-hmm. In your mind, it's the season for shopping. What's on your shopping list right now? At the moment, I'd like, I like things that are really predictable. So one of the stocks that we're talking about is Aircap. I will underwrite aircraft leasing. You know, it's a high single digit, low double digit yield on movable assets, as we say, because those aircraft can be um, you're moved around the world. So that's a name that we really like here going into the end of the year. All right. Katrina Dudley, thank you very much for the complacency word and, of course, your shopping list. Have a great holiday weekend. Thank you. All right. Now. If you take a look at futures right now, speaking of that move that we've seen, it's going to be a generally positive month for November, but the futures are pointing to some modest losses at the opening bell. The Dow Jones apply lower by 28 points. The Nasdaq down by about 18 and the S&P down by five points. That's the setup for today. Keep it right here because Squawk Box picks up the market coverage coming up next. We'll see you here tomorrow. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.